year and welcome to the Stevens and Bolton People podcast. I'm Frances Rollin and I'm here with Holly Ryan, Managing Associate in our employment team. Welcome, Holly. Thanks, Frances. Happy New Year to you too. It's good to be here. Today, we're going to talk about some employment law changes that are going to come into effect this year. We've already covered in another podcast the critical changes being made to holiday rights and equality law. So today we're going to cover some of the other changes due to take place this year, including changes to the TUPI regulations, some new family friendly rights, the new rules on the sharing of tips, a new statutory right to request a more predictable working pattern and the new duty to prevent sexual harassment. For busy employers, some of whom will still be fine-tuning hybrid working, perhaps downsizing of offices and grappling with AI innovations, that's a lot of additional things to be dealing with this year. Yes, there are several changes, Francis, that employers will need to get to grips with and prepare for, which we'll try to canter through as quickly as possible in this podcast. Shall we kick off then with the changes to the Chupi regulations? Yes, this is a a relatively minor change to one part of the GP regulations, um, and in particular section that deals with the consultation of employees. And as you may know, under the GP regulations, employers are obliged to inform affected employees of certain information about the transfer, and in most circumstances consult with them with a view to reaching agreement about any proposed changes. If there are any existing employee representatives in place who have the relevant authority for TUPI consultation purposes or recognised trade union, the employer must consult with them. And if not, representatives have to be elected. Historically, there was a micro business exemption which allowed employers with fewer than 10 employees to inform and consult directly with the affected employees rather than with any elected representatives. However, the Employment Rights Amendment Revocation and Transitional Provision Regulations 2023, which roll off the tongue, um, came into force on the 1st of January 2024, and they widened that micro-business exception. So for cheapy transfers that take place on or after the 1st of July 2024, employers will be able to dispense with the obligation to elect representatives in two circumstances. Firstly, where the employer employs fewer than 50 employees or where there are fewer than 10 transferring employees. In order for this micro business exemption to apply, there must be no appropriate representatives already in place. So that means no recognised trade union, nor any employee representatives who have the authority to be consulted about the transfer. Do you think this is going to be a useful change? I mean, it's certainly useful for smaller transfers, you know, where there are fewer than 10 transferring employees. It'll make the information and consultation requirements certainly less complex and more streamlined. However, it's likely to be less useful for larger transfers. Um, The changes don't affect an employer's obligation to consult. So it still does mean that um, employers will have to inform and consult each individual about any measures with a view to reaching agreement. Um, So it's likely to be more complicated, actually, um, consulting on an individual basis with a large group of transferring employees rather than consulting with a small number of employee representatives. Yeah, agreed. Let's move on now to the new right to carers leave. The carers leave regulations 2024 were laid before Parliament before Christmas and are due to come into force on the 6th of April this year. Can you give us a short summary of what this new right involves? Yes, um, these regulations mean that an employee who has a dependent with a long-term care need may take one week's unpaid leave to provide or arrange care in each rolling 12-month period. And this can be taken either as individual days or half days or in a block of one week. Um, Employers won't be able to decline a request altogether 
but they will be able to postpone carers leave in certain circumstances. And consistent with other types of statutory leave, an employee will be protected from detriment and dismissal attributable to the fact that they took or sought to take carers leave. Do you think we may see this right being used a lot? I think so. Recent statistics suggest that there are approximately 5 million unpaid carers in the UK, a number of whom will be balancing the care of or organising the care of elderly or disabled relatives with paid employment. Um, So, you know, it could affect a large proportion of the workforce Um, and employers will need to turn their minds to introducing and updating or updating existing policies and will also need to train managers on these new rights. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk now about the new redundancy protections during pregnancy and after maternity adoption or shared parental leave. Research from the Equality and Human Rights Commission found that approximately one in nine mothers are either dismissed, made compulsorily redundant or are treated so poorly they feel they need to resign, driving an estimated 54,000 women to leave their jobs every year. The current law only provides protection from redundancy to employees who are actually on maternity leave or adoption leave or shared parental leave by obliging employers to offer suitable alternative employment to them where such a role is available. Um, How do these new regulations amend this position? Um, That's a good question, Francis. Those are quite actually sobering statistics. But um, these new regulations extend the current right to be offered suitable alternative vacancies in a redundancy situation so that this right will now apply both during pregnancy and for a period after taking the relevant leave. So putting that into a a practical example, um, redundancy protection will start when an employee tells their employer about their pregnancy, so have to inform their employer first, and will apply to any such notification made on or after the 6th of April 2024. Um, in relation to maternity leave, the additional protection, or sorry, the additional protected period um, will end 18 months after the expected week of childbirth or the actual date of birth if the employer has informed the employer of the state. Um, the new r- rules apply to maternity leave ending on or after the 6th of April 2024, and similar rules will of course apply to both adoption leave and shared parental leave. This seems like a sensible amendment to me. It's always been a rather artificial cutoff just being limited to the period of leave itself. Yes, absolutely. It's always been a slightly arbitrary cutoff. Um, And as you and I know, you know, redundancies often take place when someone goes back to work. So um, I can certainly see this, why this has been introduced. Um, From a practical perspective, um, employers will need to get to grips with these changes that come into force from April and will need to raise awareness of these changes within their business. And of course, ensure that adequate training is provided to managers who will be responsible for the implementation of redundancy exercises from, from April onwards. Moving on now to the changes to flexible working, what can employers expect in this area? Well, from 6th of April again, um, the right to request flexible working will become a day one right, meaning that an employee will no longer have to have 26 weeks continuous service to make a flexible working request, which is what's required under the current regime. Um, Other changes to the flexible working regime are also due to come into effect later this year, which will be in or around July 2024, subject to the passing of um, commencement regulations. So at some point later this year, we expect that um, employees will be entitled to make two requests instead of the one that's currently permitted under the current regime in any 12-month period. 
and employees will no longer have to explain what effects their requested change may have on the employer and how any such effect might be dealt with, which is um, which is always a slightly odd requirement for employees in any event. Um, so it seems like a bit of a sensible change. Um, employers will also have to make a decision in within two months of receiving the request rather than the current three month period, um, subject to the parties being able to agree uh, that to that longer decision period. Um, employers won't be able to refuse the request unless the employee has been consulted. And in due course, ACAS is expected to update its statutory code of practice on flexible working. And we expect to see some government guidance on this imminently. So employers should certainly keep an eye out for this. Um, and of course, eventually we'll need to consider updating their existing policies and rate procedures to account for these changes, as well as provide training to their managers. Something we should mention is the new rules on the allocation of tips that we expect to come into force on the 1st of July this year. This is a big shake-up for the hospitality sector. Yes, certainly. The, um, the new legislation requires employers to pay 100% of all tips to workers uh, in full without deductions, and this will be a significant change to some employers, some employers in the hospitality sector. Um, under the new Act, employers will have a duty to ensure that all qualifying tips are what they call allocated fairly to workers, and that includes agency workers as well, and make payment to their staff in full no later than the end of the month following the month in which the qualifying tip was paid by the customer, so relatively quickly. Um, alternatively, um, if it is fair to do so, the employer may pay the tips over to an independent trunk operator, which are relatively common in the hospitality sector, and the trunk operators then in turn allocate those tips to the workers. In December, the government published a consultation on a draft statutory code of practice on fair and transparent distribution of tips. So employers operating in the hospitality sector should review their tipping practices and review the code once it's published. And of course, they may even want to respond to the current consultation, which is open to businesses to respond to and will close on the 22nd of February. Another change um, later this year, in September, we expect to see another new act come into force that will give workers the right to request a more predictable working pattern where there's a lack of predictability to their work patterns, such as their hours, days, times or period of work. Yes, um, there's a lot of detail to this new right, which we don't have time to go through on this podcast, but essentially workers can make up to two requests for a more predictable working pattern in any 12 month period. Um, employers must deal with any such request in a reasonable manner and must notify the worker of their decision within one month. Um, requests can only be refused by the employer on specified grounds. Um, we expect to see ACAS and ACAS statutory code of practice and non-statutory guidance to go along with this new right. So employers should keep an eye out for these as and when they're published. And in due course, we'll need to consider whether they will need to introduce or update any existing policies and procedures and again, provide training to their managers. Final point now, um, in October this year, the new duty to prevent sexual harassment comes into force. There's been a lot of press about this new right, but it has been significantly watered down from the original draft bill. Yes, you're right. There's quite a lot of fanfare in the press about this new right, um, but they have been, the proposals have been significantly watered down. And what we've been left with is the only remaining obligation under the Act is a, a duty, a new duty on employers to take reasonable steps to prevent sexual harassment of their employees. And if an employer is found to have breached this duty, tribunals will have the power to uplift any sexual harassment compensation by 25%. So 
you know, they have um, taken into account some changes, but certainly far less than we, we initially anticipated. What should employers be doing to prepare for this new duty? A good place to start, Francis, is a review of policies and procedures and consideration given as to whether amendments or updates will be required and take into account the changes. Um, The other obvious preparatory step would be to implement training for staff on behaviour at work. Thanks a lot, Holly. Such a lot for businesses to be thinking about in the next 12 months. We hope this has been a helpful summary. Thanks, Holly, for your time. Thanks for having me, Francis. 